For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Okay. Episode two of the gentleman who has killed twelve Russians. That's going to be the title of every single one of these videos. This this gentleman right here, I met him about two hours ago. I, I he's been vetted by a gentleman, another gentleman that I know, that I know is a pipe hitter, and I know is real. So I know this guy's real. Um, not James Vasquez. I'm talking about a different gentleman. I'm that guy can't. He won't come on and, and do this for other for other regions, but. They've done some stuff. So now we're, we are about, if you guys did not see episode one, you need to go listen to it or watch it, whatever it is. Now we're on episode two, and we are only four days deep into you being inside of Ukraine. Yeah. You see, when I were like March 7th, March 8th. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to let you take the reins because I have no idea where we're going with this. This All is my right. first time hearing it, just so everybody's aware. I'm, I'm literally, literally listening to the same time you are. Yeah, no problem. Um, There's definitely a lot of stuff I like missed out on, like tiny details, but... Back on the fourth day, it's in the morning, um, tank shell woke us up. Um, well, it didn't wake me up, actually. I was, one of our buddies had, like, wrapped, he cocooned me, basically. Like, after the whole Spetsnaz thing, he just cocooned me in, like, a sleeping bag and all kinds of blankets we had found out in the house because it was really f-ing cold, um, really f-ing cold the entire battle, um, especially at night. So I didn't wake up until like nine in the morning. I had missed out on like the tank shell. I had missed out on like when I woke up, I was like, what's going on? I was the last person to wake up. I was like, hey, what's happening, guys? And everybody was like, there was a f-ing airstrike. F-ing. There was a <laughs> helicopter run. There was a f-ing tank shell. You know, it was, it's normal. I'm like, oh, damn. No one woke me up. What the f-? I was like, so like the, the, the trench, the trenches, they are just taking all kinds of the helicopter gun run, the airstrikes. No one got killed again. Like, very, like, miraculous. Um, but I will say, like, there at one point, I think it was, like, the second day, there was a Ukrainian civilian who would come up from behind the trench line to, like, I guess watch the battle, to, like, watch it. And he, a, a mortar or an artillery shell had, like, gone off behind him. And it basically, like, filleted his back and, like, the back of his neck and, it, it, like, exposed his vertebrae and all kinds of and there's also two Ukrainian soldiers who um, myself and a couple other guys had like spoken to while we were in the trenches and, you know, we were all smoking and they were like, yeah, you know, we're going to win, you know, and, you know, they had died while we were in the house. They got killed by a shell that landed like right there in their trench. But amongst the, the Westerners, there were no deaths yet at all. Not, not even wounded really. Anyway, so going, going back to the fourth day, um, at this point, we're taking a lot of shelling. We had started taking a ton of shelling. And they were definitely starting to zero in on our house. Like, they were getting very accurate. Um, and it had come to the point where they had a drone up. So they were going to get accurate fires on our house eventually. So we eventually just started leaving. We, we started exiting out of the, the back window um, towards the courtyard and then back to, like, the garage is what I'm going to call it. And just kept funneling people. A few at a time. And then we eventually made it back to the trench line, all of us. And while we were there, we were just waiting. 
and we're just taking pretty accurate IDF. Like it was, it was coming in like right outside the trenches. You could see the drone like above us, and we're like, oh, "Man, okay, all right." You could also hear it. Uh, I believe it was an Orlon Ten. Um, so we were like, "Yo, we got to get out of here. Like, if we're pulling back, we gotta, we gotta go." Um. So our commander is like, "Trucks will be here in like two hours." Like, I don't know if we're going to make it two hours, my guy. Um, actually ended up being a lot quicker. It was like maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And uh, we started to to exfil, which I do actually have a video of that, of like the entire exfil. Yeah? Yeah, not from like starting in the trenches. It was like once we got past uh, a couple friendly Ukrainian like BMPs and yeah, it was, it was like one friendly BMP in the wood, the tree line and the two tanks that were like holding the line there in that sector. Um, but we started at Exville. We were just pushing through the tree line again, through the woods. It was about like 12 minutes, maybe 15 minutes of just walking through the trees. And we, we did start taking, um, artillery. Uh, one of them actually like, like air bursted, uh, close to my, the rocket guy, the, the white Hodge, uh, by his tree. And he, uh, he almost got slapped by that, but he was good. And, once we started taking our artillery and we, we just started to like book it, like just book it to the, uh, the trucks and we made it. We got up on out of so there. So now you're going from Moshan. Yeah, Moshun. M- Moshun. Moshun? Yeah. Moshun to, we're looking like, or excuse me, March 7th time frame. Yeah. So you guys literally went up to the front line, pushed through a house, killed roughly 40 Russians. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Yeah, Four? that was the estimate. Yeah. Okay. So about 40 Russians. And then you guys basically were there to bleed them out. I know this was a tactic the Ukrainians have used many of times throughout this entire. Yeah. They just, they have, that's all they can do at certain mm-hmm. points, which they did pretty well in the East because that's why we're in a current situational pause over there, operational pause more or less. Now, where'd you go after this? So we went back to where we began, Kay. which was the, it was basically a safe house. It was just a, a I want to say what it was or is, but. It's that's fine. A it's larger just, building. It's a comp. We'll just say yeah. like a compound. There yeah. you go. Yeah, there we went is. back to our like our safe house. Yeah. And we we just kind of spent a few days there. We um, were going over like what we were going to do next. Like again, because before that first mission, we had no idea. Even during the mission, we didn't have any objectives or anything. It was just fight. Like that. That was it. I mean, going back and like I can talk about it now and be like, yeah, we were there to bleed a mountain stuff and all that. But we had no directives at all. We were just we're just going, we're just doing, and that's really all it was. So we took our own little pause. Um, I had moved to a, another team within our, our group. Um, the guy that I called War Papa, basically, mm-hmm. I was under him at that point. Um, and it was mostly like former French Legion and a couple of other like NATO ally units. Um, all veterans, obviously. There's no NATO forces in Ukraine, obviously. But... Mm-hmm. All, all veterans, and they're really solid, super solid guys. And this team deferred in the sense that they were, like, really trying to, like, get everyone to the same level. Like, my, my old war papa or whatever, he was giving me tips on, like, CQB and stuff that I never really did in the Marines. Because, um, I mean, he was an SBS guy, so he, he's got very advanced skills that I just never got to pick up. And he was, we were just going over, like, the team setup and everything, all that. So... And I was starting to, like, teach guys, like, hey, this is how Javelin works if we had batteries. And we were just cross-training. 
That's all it was. We were just teaching everybody, teaching each other what we knew. How long did you guys train for? It was maybe like a day or two, honestly. Okay. It, it was just as much as we could get in. It's a refresher course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you guys got a refresher course. Yeah. Now, did you do any more operational work inside of Kiev itself? In Kiev, there was no. You no. didn't do any more up there. It froze. Well, we went to Urban. We went. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excuse me. I should have. So yeah. when I when I look at these regions, we got yeah. the Kiev region. Oh, okay. Yeah. So outskirts of Kiev, Bucha, mm-hmm. Urban, Hostomel. So you're still up in the same area working. Yeah. Okay. So instead of going back to Machoon, we um, we went to Urban. Mm-hmm. Though I will say, like, so because we we proved ourselves, I, I guess is how it went. We proved ourselves. You know, we, we gained. Yeah. Yeah. We we gained more trust with our unit. Um, they, I mean, they basically leveled us up. Uh, they gave us CZ Bryn 2s, far better than our FNCs. I mean, far better. Um, they were brand new. Um, also, 5.56. Five, mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, Which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think that they were utilizing any other than, like, Ukrainian soft units probably would have some sort of 5.56, five, maybe. But the thing, I thought they'd still be using 7.62 mm-hmm. by, was it, 51 is the uh, AK round? 3.9. 3.9. Mm-hmm. 51 is our... Well, I guess they probably still have 51s as well. Yeah, I mean, they had long guns, but I, so I guess they all... The Ours is 54. No, there, so there's a 762 by 5.4, yes. and then we have 5.1. And, and then they have 3.9. Yeah. That's, there's so, so many different random yeah, there's, there's sizes a lot of, of, of calories out there. So you, you go from here, and now we're looking at probably mid-March or so. Yeah. At this so point, you're going to be moving over to, to what? Um, so we we were pushing to Urban. Okay. Um, and this time they actually told us where we were going. You know, there wasn't any, because again, we garnered that trust now. We, we actually gained it, you know, by fighting. So they're like, yeah, we're going to Irpin. Um, we just have to go find Russians for the most part. Like, I think at that time it was like half held by Ukrainians, half held by Russians, but they didn't know exactly where their line was. So what we were to do is go, you know, get into contact and just figure out roughly where they were. So we push out in trucks. We get to the tree line. Once again, the woods outside of Urban, and from there we, we you know we get out of our trucks and stuff, and we we just making a a movement, um, movement to contact really. And I'm sure you've seen like pictures of like the the f- bridge. Which one? Yeah, that's pretty fair. Uh, but it was a pretty famous bridge in Urban. Um, there's I've all, probably all kinds seen of rep- yeah, I'm sure I've, you did. I've seen so many bridges yeah. over there. But we pushed past like a railway, um, went into like the city center. I want to say. I can't remember Urban? roughly. Yeah. Okay. We went by like a park. Um, so in my team, we were supposed to be Overwatch for them, for the Alpha guys, while we were Bravo, and they pushed up into the park. We were up in a building behind, and we couldn't see through the trees. So we, we were basically useless, but we could, we had a little bit of situational awareness. Um, we knew at least where the Ukrainians were behind us and where our guys were pushing up forward into the park. And as soon as they, like, push up in the park and stuff, they started taking all kinds of contact. Like, there was, I believe, two BTRs, uh, and they were just unloading on them. And we couldn't do shit. Like, it was just very frustrating. Um, very, very frustrating. Couldn't do anything about it. And eventually they broke contact. They were able to come back to us, and everyone was fine again. Like no one got hurt. No one got killed. And it was just miraculous. Like my buddy, the the sniper, he, he was behind a tree. And when the 30 mil was going off, it was basically shaving away the tree above him. 
And he eventually just made a decision to book it and run back to the, like, the guys. And the fact that he lived is just miraculous. Like, the fact that any of them lived is miraculous. It's just, it's insane the amount of these surreal moments that, that happen, honestly. It feels like you have, uh, it feels like we're a bunch of cats. You know, <laughs> we've got nine lives and we're just using them all up. Were the, were, the, were the men fighting inside of Irpin, the Russians, were they much better, uh, f- I, I, I don't say much better of an individual or a fighter, but much better tactic-wise than the men that were in the woods that were really just cannon fodder running across the road or just sending artillery because they didn't want to push forward on you guys? That's pretty much all it was. Yeah, I, I would say it was similar skill set. So they're, but they just had more equipment. They had more vehicles, so they were they felt more confident. Mm-hmm. I feel like because of those vehicles, because they they had a lot there. They like did. They have had a lot. A lot. I know yeah. they did. That yeah. is one of the, that area that you're talking about, and then f- the other name. Um, it's it. I can't remember right now. It's on the northeastern side of Kiev itself. Those two areas had some of the Bordyanka is what it's called. Had some of the the most tanks and BMPs probably of the entire region, mm-hmm. but that's because they were trying to push to take Kiev, like they had, mm-hmm. they had to have it. How, how many on a single day did you guys deal with? You think, did you guys have the proper equipment to take them out? Is my next question. We all had rockets. So we all had small rockets. Um, are they actually going to get through that armor? Or are they B- just going to knock the guys? A BTR or BMP. Yeah. They, they could they take could. out. Yeah. Um, you know, if you place it correctly, it'll definitely knock it out at the very least. Um, and we actually had a guy, he was in the French Legion as well. He actually only spoke French, but he was with us. And he had a uh, a Barrett, or it wasn't a Barrett. It was it was basically like a knockoff Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a bolt action fifty cal. Yeah, bullpup? Was it a bullpup or was it a full blown? It doesn't really matter. Random yeah. question. Doesn't yeah. matter. I'm sorry. I, I can't even remember. Does um, it? But he was was he using armor piercing rounds on it? So he can I'm not even sure. But I do know that he was like knocking out BTRs with it. Because I know on the fifty cals, like when I was when I was in, we had these like mini Sabo rounds. Mm-hmm. Or have you ever seen them? The slap rounds. I don't, they might, might have called slap rounds, but I just called them the mini Sabo rounds because, mm. you know, like our Sabo rounds and our Abrams, they have an outer shell. Yeah, and, and it, it peels peel off. off. Yeah, so the same slap rounds, what you guys call them? I think it's the same thing. I wasn't a machine gunner by trade. I just, oh, I know that, that round. Uh, those rounds? Fucks, but. Those rounds are scary. It gives me mm. goosebumps just thinking about it. They'll <laughs> rip through everything. Yeah. Because those are scary rounds. Yeah. Uh, but if it was, was that what he was using, was slap rounds? I don't know. Honestly, I never looked at the rounds he was using or anything like that. I just know that he was... Able to knock out BTRs. No, um, you had to be using. That's what he had to use. There's no. There's no. There's no other rounds I could think of that would do that kind of damage. Yeah. But I mean, uh, a BMP or a BTR, they have pretty thin armor. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like you could punch through. Like the, you know, if you're aiming right, you could punch through it. Um, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh track. no, it's was, all good. I was curious. <laughs> no, it's all good. Okay, so we'll go back to what you're saying. I'll get you back on track. I'll help you because I think I was in the <laughs> same. So you you guys were pushing through certain areas and you would run into these these BTRs and, and they were chewing over this guy's head, chewing a tree up. And yeah, and uh, there's also a moment where um, completely forgot to mention this. Once we got back from Machine, there was a like 50 or 60 new like Westerners, like volunteers that had come. And uh, there was a couple of like former British paros. I I love those guys. Like they're just so like they're very uh, they're so confident. You know, they they have overwhelming confidence, right? They're like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, right, mate. We're gonna go do it, mate. They're just awesome. I I love them. Um, some of the Brits that, like, we were with, uh, one of them, he didn't like them. He was like, they're too cocky, man. But honestly, like, they like they, they, they know how to fight, right. and I, I just respect the hell out of it. Love those guys. Um, there was a moment where, like, a 30 mil just ripped off a rooftop, like a concrete rooftop. I was like, holy 
I don't know, it, it was just wild. And it was such a, a strange, it was just such a big difference in, in the setting as well. I mean, we went from a matchbox village to a concrete jungle, you know, just straight mm-hmm. urban terrain. And it was, it was just clearing like seven floors. And you're like, God, I'm fucking winded, you know? It's like, God damn, that's a lot of stairs to go up. Keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, but, you know, you have to do it. it is what it is. Name of the game. But, yeah, so once they broke off from contact, we, we linked up back with them on the road that we were on. And we just pulled back. We uh, we pulled back to like this Ukrainian like safe house. Mm-hmm. Um, just reorganized, really. Um, like on the way back, you know, we were just like you know, just scanning around and stuff. And uh, a war papa, he's like across the room, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, what? And I like look down. There's just a you know, just a body. Uh, I don't know why it like really me- like not messed with me, but it was like an imprinting memory for me because it was just like a young kid. Like it was a young guy, like maybe right out of high school kind of thing. And he had uh, like a white blanket over him, very pale. And I almost stepped on him. And I just, I don't know, it was really strange because I just looked down, he's right there. And it was just a very imprinting memory. Don't know why, but it just is. And we just kept going. And we made it back to our safe house. And from there, or sorry, we, uh, from there we then, we went towards the, the destroyed bridge. There was a, a ton of cars on it. Um, the center of it was blown out, so we went under it, and that's where we saw like all these reporters and stuff. And I don't really have any issues with like journalists or anything like that, but these guys like they were really like, I don't know, they were like really pushy, very kind of parasitic almost is what it felt like. Like you know, we just came out from there, and these guys were like, whoa, 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 like what's going on, you know? And not to mention like they're giving away this whole position by by just videotaping all of it. Um, and lo and behold, like, after that mission, like, that place got artied on, yeah. on guys' exfils, yeah. yeah. Not missions that I went on, because after that, um, we had a big pause at a different safe house, because we had to move. So we went to this other safe house, and from there, we were just reassessing. They were only sending out, like, small teams at this point, um, like, five-man teams. And they actually got nods in at this point, like, like nods, but they mm-hmm. were nods nonetheless. And they were going out and doing OPs, you know, setting up, doing counter-battery missions, basically just going out at night, looking for Russian uh, tube artillery flashes, and then calling in counter-battery on them. Um, it was very effective. It uh, was. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the guys didn't like it because it was just super Because, um, I mean, again, it's at middle of the night, pitch black, and the guys, at one point, they crashed an SUV into a tank barrier because they just couldn't see and it's like, that sucks. Like, that sucks, guys. Um, back at the safe house, I'm starting to get like a really cough and get annoyed by it. Starting to get pretty sick. I eventually go to, uh, to zero some thermals that we had gotten as donations. Mm-hmm. And I'm zeroing them and stuff. And like all the cordite just like messing with my lungs. And I was coughing. I had to go outside of the range. I was like, <laughs> I'm just dying. That's what it felt like. I was like, Ugh. and I could just get back in the truck. And I'm just like sitting there like, oh this man got long and we started driving back and along the way we picked up a bunch of like 30 other new volunteers they hopped on board our truck and now it's super cramped and i'm just like this and these people dude i don't even uh one of them's like oh yeah man i can't wait to go kill some russians blah 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 and he just he's just irritating the out of us uh the guys are with they're just making fun of him because he's kind of fat and they're like yeah yeah Hell yeah. Push you right, right on the front, dude. <laughs> Meat show looking, having a... Oh, man. 
And this guy said he was like a medic and all kinds of stuff. And he was a medic. If he was, he, at one point he gave a guy who was going through hypothermia, like they were, they were set up in an OP at night and this kid was going through hypothermia and he gave him alcohol. And at that point they're like, you're, you suck. Like you're not going on missions like ever again. You're terrible. And he was like, no, give me another chance, man. Come on. And like, nah, dude. And that was a big issue too. Like a lot of guys would go over there and stuff and be like, I have all this experience and I know what I'm doing. And, and they would just flounder like at the worst moments or they would run away. Like something I didn't mention was in Machoon. We had, we started with like 21 guys, seven of like, like about seven ran away, like in the middle of combat or during a lull in it. Like they just ran away from the trenches and went back to the rear as much as they could. One of them got lost on the wood or two of them got lost in the woods and then got picked up by Ukrainians. And then they just sent them back to our original safe house. They were like, you guys, whatever. So that was annoying. And these are like guys who were like, yeah, I'm a GWAP veteran and all this other and it's like that that's good that you have skills that can be applied but why do you suck like i don't know so at that point we became really wary of bringing like new guys into the team very wary of it um even like the screening process changed because before i mean you could just say whatever you wanted and you could be like put into the teams and once we were like yo these guys suck they, they completely change it. Now you have to go through a polygraph. You have to do all kinds of shit. And they'll, like, look into your, your actual service and see mm. what you've done. So it did change and become better. And, and I get why it was like that in the beginning. Because, I mean, they were, they were just trying to plug holes, you know. Like, they needed people yeah. that had skills. And it just makes sense. I mean, early days of a, a true modern war, like, you, the organization's not going to be there yet. And it's just the name of the game. But yeah, so going back... Uh, my lungs started to deteriorate, and right after the range, I'm just coughing up all kinds of phlegm and all kinds of and I just, I'm sucking. So they call up our medic. Um, they assessed me and stuff, and they're like, you got to go to the hospital. And I, I actually cried. Like, I, I legitimately cried, like, in my room, like, in front of all these guys. I'm just like, I don't want to go. Like, I don't, you can't. Like, it was just, it was such a gut punch. Like, I, I don't know. Um I just didn't want to leave the guys, and I felt really, really bad. Like, I felt, well, it felt useless, you know? And, I mean, in hindsight, it makes sense why they sent me to the hospital. Like, I get it. Like, I would have been useless if I can't run fast or anything. I'm just sucking, but it was just such a gut punch. And so I went to Kiev uh, Military Hospital and put me in pulmonary ward. Um, you know, they're checking my lungs and everything. They, I was there for, I think... Like three or four days, I'm not really sure. Um, you had an upper res- respiratory infection. Yeah, and it, it? yeah, and I think it was turned into pneumonia or some shit, and that's why they wanted to mm-hmm. put me in the hospital. So, so puncture full of a bunch of yeah, they, they set me up in an IV. So yeah, or whatever. They, and then so you stay there for three or four days. Now we're looking third week of March. Did your guys already leave Kiev to go somewhere else? No, so they were still fighting in Urban. Okay. Um, so they were mostly just setting up OPs and, and going out at night just to assess, like, where the Russians were and everything. Were they able to get you back to those guys? Like, they knew, like, are they at least organized enough to take you from the hospital be like, all right, he's with this unit? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, because our, our medic was for our unit. Um, oh, okay. So yeah. he knew exactly where you, you needed to go. Yeah. So it was actually a woman. And, oh. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't mention that. Okay. She was, so she wasn't in the unit, mm-hmm. but she is, like, if you call her, she comes to us. Like, mm-hmm. she knows where we're at. Um very knowledgeable and like she assessed me and everything. So when they, uh, 
when they were sending me back to the unit. And while I was like the last day I was there, um, our sniper buddy, him and buddy you met, they had uh, left and went down south towards uh, Mikolaev. Okay. And they had started setting up like, I guess, another team of Westerners. And they were helping out down there. I think I remember him telling me a lot of stories at the beginning of that. He told me a whole bunch that day I was talking to him. And this is when you were still up in Kiev then? Yeah. Okay. So they had set that up down there. And it was like my last day in the hospital when our sniper buddy had called me. And he was like, hey, man, can you like set up like a javelin class? Like, can you teach these guys? Because they really need the knowledge. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm doing like a Zoom meeting with them. And I'm trying to like teach them what, like how to operate it, how to use oh it. Oh, my God. And, you know, the service is sh- I It's like breaking in and out. They're not getting any really good knowledge from it. I make it back to the unit. The ambulance comes, picks me up. And this other guy that was, like, from one of the uh, the second group of Westerners that had come in, he also got an infection of some sort. So we go back together, make back to the unit, and they're all talking about, like, we're about to do this raid on, like, a Russian HQ. And my, my buddy, sniper buddy, calls me. He's like, hey, man, I need you. Can you come down here? Can you just come down here and help out? Like, set up a system? Like, train these guys, get it going. And it felt like I was in this, this predicament where I have to, I can only pick one. And it's true. I could only pick one. I could, I could either stay with the guys, keep fighting in Irpin, like actually do some missions in Irpin or go down South and probably do a lot of good by teaching guys like how to use a javelin. And I, I did end up picking to go down South. Um, do you know what, 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 what month was this still late March? Yeah, it was still March. Yeah. So I, I made the choice. I'd go down South, um, and it sucked because, you know, I was like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I feel like I can do a lot of good down there. I mean, they actually have they have jabs that are operable or operational. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it. So get on a train from Kiev, go to Lviv, stay there for a little portion of the day, basically in uh, someone's apartment. She's, like, been helping out with a lot of, like, the Westerners and all the volunteers and stuff. Mostly helps out with, like, the territorial defense because they need a lot of training. And and even she's like, please just stay and train people here in Lviv. And I was like, I, I just can't. Like, gotta gotta make it to the boys. So get on a train from Lviv, go down to Odessa. From there, I uh, hop a ride with guys that had set it up and go to Mikolaev. Once I made it to Mikolaev, um, met up with a couple pretty interesting people. Um, some like. James Bond characters is what it felt like, <laughs> like quite honestly. And they're really awesome. Like I'm not going to give out what who they are or what they are, but they're just awesome guys. Um, the gentleman that in particular that I met, ver- a true gentleman, like truly, and very intelligent and just a solid man all around. Um, and he just he set me up. I got with my buddy uh, where he was set up with this Marine group. And for the most part, once I got there, I was just talking to my buddy and and these other Westerners that I haven't met before, and we were just, they were giving me the lowdown, like, what it was expected of me. Um, basically, the, it, nothing was going to, nothing was going to happen unless I was there. And, because everything down in the south, I mean, it, talk about change of terrain, like, from the north, it's all woodland, there's, you know, the matchbox villages, there's the urban terrain. In the south, it's all farmland. It's just miles and miles of open field. So... All the operations down there are, like, just vehicle hunting for the most part. Vehicle hunting, artillery, uh, trenches. So it's very static. Um, it's, at the very least, a lot. You have to be much more cautious. It, it's slower paced all around. So 
I started teaching uh, the Ukrainian Marines um, from the brigade. Uh, we would go to like this, this big like warehouse, um, concrete looking thing. And I can even show you pictures of that. I would just teach them as much as I could. Um, I was straight up drawing pictures at points. I was like, so this is what it's going to look like. We didn't have any simulators or anything. You know, we, I, we had to just analog it all the way. Um, and I trained about 50, 50 Ukrainian Marines how to operate the Javelin. I also individually, like, like personally trained about six um, that were in the Marine company that I was with down there. Uh, one of them, Sasha, he's, he's a good guy, super good guy. Um, he, he's taken out a tank, a BMD-3, uh, and now he's the, the trainer. So he's done – I actually uh, – I cried a little. I, I think I'm just too sentimental, but I, I cried a little when he, like, messaged me. He was like, I did it. I killed a tank. I was like, oh, man, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> so proud. <laughs> but, yeah, so I was just – I was setting up a training organization there, and we were teaching as much as we could. And eventually uh, our commander down there – He's a solid guy as well. He very different from our commander up north. Um, commander up north is, is he was very. Uh, they just have very different personalities. Like up north, he was very like Dick Winters. You know, he was very calm, collected. He was very um, cautious in certain regards. And our southern commander, the marine commander, he was sa- he was very similar in that regard. Like being cautious, he he really cares about his men. Like genuinely, he doesn't want any of them to get killed or hurt, as a good leader would not want them to mm-hmm. do and but he, he was uh definitely much more aggressive like as an individual um like a, like a classic kind of man like he, he respects those who give respect i suppose i, I don't know it's, it's really hard for me to put the words together but we eventually did a mission and and there was this uh his second pan his we just called him the sergeant major he was very wary of us westerners he you know he didn't really trust us and stuff he always complained about like how we had all these nice weapons and it's like, why don't my guys have that? You know, it took time for him to warm up to us. Like we eventually did a mission where they were prepping for this mission for days. That was the big difference from the North was like I said, they were very cautious. They were, they would actually prepare much longer for these missions because you just had to, you couldn't just like get thrown right into it and have success like up in the North. Cause you had the, the terrain that gave you that advantage. You didn't have to worry about it too much. Not to say that, not planning is a good thing, but you could still do that up north and survive. But down the south, they kept running recce's. Uh, the sniper, my sniper mm-hmm. buddy, and our commander, they would do recce's. The first target they gave us was a hard target. I mean, it was like a straight up tank company, and they had two platoons of infantry with them. They had BTRs, all kinds of shit. And I was like, "Yeah, hey, let's go do it. Let's go do it, man." And my buddy was like, "I think we're gonna die if we do that." And I'm like, eh, it's, "It's okay. It's fine. We could probably take out like two tanks." I don't know. And he's like, ah, okay, fine. So we were, we were okay with doing it at that point. And the commander was like, nah, I don't know about that guys. You guys are wild. So they did another recce. They found a nice squishy target. It was uh, one T 72 B three that had been like propped up at this bridge. And it, it's just been chilling around that area the entire time. And I think they only had like two BTRs or BMPs with them and mm, a little bit of mortar support. And that was about it. So we're like, okay, that's a good target. We went out. It was myself, sniper buddy, and Sasha, the guy that I had been personally training, and our commander. So we went out as four guys, and we linked up with um, some alpha guys with SBU. They were like very professional. Like they really know what the f- they're doing. Like I, I would equate them to uh, like a like a solid like ranger platoon. Hmm. Um, 
very good. And they had nods and they had multicam. They had the whole shebang. So we linked up with them and then and they even had Humvees and shit, like all kinds of cool stuff. It was nice. So we pushed out with them. We went to this village and we stashed the, the vehicles in a barn for the most part. And we were in like the center of the village at this point and get all of our equipment. We had like, we had two javelins, one clue. The alpha guys had like all their nods and shit. it was in their bags. I don't know. They didn't keep them on their person for some reason. We went to the middle of the village to this house. It was like the tallest house in the village. And on the top floor, they had a dude who was on an optic and he could like reach out and, and peek around, you know, and he had spotted the tank. But for the most part, we were just waiting in the house until he spotted the tank. So we were all just hanging out, drinking coffee. We're smoking cigarettes and shit. I meet a, like the only civilian in that village, I, I think. He's just like this big, like big Ukrainian farmer. And he's like ecstatic that we're there. He's like, oh, and this dude's translating for us. And he's like, yeah, he's, he's seen you guys on TV. And we're like, I, I don't think he saw us on TV. I mean, there's just a bunch of bearded white dudes on TV. You know what I mean? Like just a bunch of Westerners. Um, but yeah, he was ecstatic that they were there. And it was just funny. I don't know. So they give us the word. They see the tank by the bridge. I push up with our commander and two of the alpha guys. Um, I just bring the clue. I don't bring the javelin along with me. We let the alpha guys like go up ahead to find me a firing position. And we're on the outskirts of the village at this point. It's we're on a road, just me and the commander. The alpha guys are just looking ahead. They're, they're like past the fence. And they're just trying to find a nice place for me to fire the, the javelin. And while we're just standing like up against this wall or chilling up against this wall, pulling security, these, uh, these two dogs come up and they start like, you know, trying to come up to us and hang out. And then uh, two pigs come up and then a baby calf and then like a couple of chickens and all, all this just starts to like converge on us. And, we're like, and all I could think of like while this was happening, I was like, it's like some weird like f***ed up nativity scene. And it's like, and like the pigs start walking up to our commander and he just starts oinking at him. Like, and they oink back a little bit. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Like, this is just, it's just so, sur- there's so many like stupid, surreal little moments like that. And, and so many that I missed out on while I've been talking about it. They're just tiny little moments. And the alpha guys are going to come back and they're like, nah, it's not good. And I'm like, why not? This is like on the corner of the village that we were at. And they're like, so they said that from that house, like about a kilometer away, there's a, a BTR or a BMP over in these, like this tree line. And then about 1800 meters away or about two kilometers, the tank is by the bridge. And then over to the left of that is the mortar team that they have. So they were like, it's just too exposed. I think the BTR will kill you. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. Yeah, it's good enough. We'll find another one. So we push down some more. We find another rans- ramshackle looking house. Um, it's got a really janky wooden ladder that goes up to the roof. All kinds of shit. And they're like, can you fire from here? And I'm like looking at it. I'm like, well, there's two power lines that are like right above. And I don't remember the equation for the JAV missile to go above it. So I'm like, eh, 50-50 that that missile hits the power line and does not do anything. And they're like, this is the only firing position we have. I'm like... Okay, I'll give it a shot, but I'm telling you, 50-50. Told all of them. I told my buddy. I told the commander. They all they all understood 50-50. So go back to the house, get the javelin. We go set up, and I just peek. I um, I guess snipers call it like melt, like mm-hmm. melt from the terrain. So I, I just melt up as slow as I possibly can, 
and I just look out with a clue just to see if I can even like find the tank. I see it. Um, it's a, a bit, it's still a bit warm out. It's getting closer to the end of the day. Um, but I see it. I see the thermal signature and everything. I get a lock on it. Well, I, I come back down from the janky ladder. I get the missile. I set it up. I go back up. And as I go up the ladder, the top rung of the ladder breaks. It just snaps. So now I'm like on my calves doing a calf raise for about three minutes with 50 pounds of missile on me. Not to mention like all the gear. And I'm like, yeah, just shaking. I'm like, yeah. I get a lock. I fire. And no shit, as I'm like just climbing down, it hits the power line. It starts swirling around, all the smoke and shit. And I'm like, God damn it. God damn it. And we just run back. Um, cause we thought we we're about to take a bunch of shelling. We're like, dog, there's no way they didn't see that. There's no way they didn't see that. We're in like a little cellar by that house. Nothing, nothing at all. Not, n- not a thing. And we're like, okay. All right. Okay. Let's go back. We go back to the center of the village. We go back to our house where our boys are at. And you know, obviously we give them the bad news. Like, yep. Didn't fucking, nope. Didn't work. Didn't work. Told you 50, 50. So the alpha guys are like, okay, so what can we do to make it work this time? We'll find another firing position and all that stuff. I'm like, first off, you guys said there's only one firing position. It was that one. So what? Um, and second off, we, we find another like couple ladders. We, we find something I can prop up. So when I did it on the rooftop, I like had to use my elbows and shit. They set up another firing position to the left of that one. No power lines at all. It was a beautiful setup. They, had, they found a nicer ladder. They even put tires onto the roof where I could prop my elbows up and and I was like, dude, what? Why don't you guys, you guys could have done this in the first place. Like, what do you mean? But it, it was whatever. So I'm at the, the second firing position. I bring Sasha along this time. And again, he's like my javelin protege. And I go up the ladder. I see it. see the tank again with the, uh, the daytime sight. So that's just like naked line of sight. There's no thermal in that. But on the thermal, it, it's a bit cold. It's very difficult to see the tank. Um, it was it was just starting to get. It was just towards dusk now, so all the ambient temperatures were starting to equalize, and, and they obviously had shut down their tank for a while to save fuel. And I'm like, yeah, we're gonna have to wait a bit. Like either wait for them to turn on the tank or or something. So they're like, okay, that's fine. So we're just waiting around the second firing position. We wait like about an hour. I would say, an hour and a half maybe. And my commander and, and one of the uh, alpha guys is like, yo, there's four dudes that just walked up on it. Like, I'm like, what? Like, yeah, there's four Russian soldiers that just, like, walked up onto the tank. And, like, they're just chilling on it. And I was thinking, I was like, that's that's four heat signatures. Like, that's that's perfect. That's phenomenal. So I go back up the ladder. I see them. Like, I actually can see them just laying down on top of the tank. Okay, this is perfect. Come back down the ladder. I, I talked to Sasha. I'm like, hey, man, do you want to take this shot? Because you can take this shot if you want. And he's like, uh, no, I just, I don't feel confident yet. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I got it. No problem. Set up the javelin. I activate the missile. Get it back. I get back up there. Got a good lock. Fire the missile. And, like, I just, we just bolt as soon as I fire the missile. Just bolt. Run all the way back to middle of the village the house that we were in and the uh, alpha guys were like you fucking hit it dude and I was like yeah! I, I've never been more excited in my life 
don't know, like the, the like feeling of, of success. It was just overwhelming. It's like, yes. How, how far away were you guys? Uh, about 1800, 1900 meters. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so it was like a really, like a really tiny little target. Um, but it worked out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they notified me and I was like, Yes, like we were super excited, and no, shit, like 13 minutes right after that hit on the dot, we just started taking all kinds of shelling. Like, it just goes back to the running joke: everywhere we go turns to ash. Like, everything around the house that we were in was on fire, and again, night is starting to fall, and or night is starting to set in. It's becoming dark outside, and the only thing that's really lighting up the outside is like there's a tractor on fire now. A tractor that was completely fine until we got there. <laughs> And we took, and we're all in the center of the house. Again, this house doesn't have a cellar or anything to go into, a basement or anything. So we're just in the middle of the house. All the windows are shattered at this point. Um, the top floor of the house had taken two direct hits from a tank round, or two tank rounds. And the only reason we could tell that was because it was high velocity, so you didn't hear the, the whoomp whoomp. You just heard the impact, and it was just immediate. And then it took an artillery shell or mortar. I don't know, but it, it definitely rattled us a little bit. Um, and I just kept saying like the entire time we we're taking barrage, like it's normal, you know, it's normal, it's normal. And our commander just was like, what the fuck? He, uh, he just thought it was so silly. What, what, what month was this? April, May? No, excuse me. March, April. Was it March? It might've been early, early April or like late, late March. I'd have to. Okay. So you're looking at late March, early April. Did anything really significant have happen after this, this, uh, this tank? Deal mm-hmm. between the t- what? What month did you leave? I left uh, late April. So you left late April. So did yeah. anything really big happen between that tank being taken out down near Mikolaev mm-hmm. and yeah. leaving? Yeah. So once we, I don't want to push you there. I'm, oh, I'm no, just, I'm just asking for. My, oh no, I'm yeah, curious. no, there is I mean, more. You're talking about an entire month still. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that that night of the the tank mission. Um, so we had to drive back blackout. And that, that whole time we were getting showed, we thought they were going to maneuver on us with that like BTR or BMP, whatever it was, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Um, like my, my sniper buddy, he was like prepping the goose and he had a goose dog with him. He was like, okay, I'm going to one man this. Sh-. I'm like, okay. So they didn't, they didn't maneuver on us. Um, we're very fortunate there, but we were still very cautious. We got back to, uh, well, they taped up the lights on the vehicles with MREs. Like, hmm. like trash for the most part, taped it up so we could drive back blackout. And the alpha guys drove with their lights on. So they had nods. And the entire time, like me and my buddy are like, yo, give us like a set of nods. Like we can't see if we were driving blackout. We can't see. And they're just like arguing back and forth in Ukrainian. We don't know what they're saying. And we didn't find this out until like days later that what they were saying, because I asked Sasha because he was there with us and he speaks fairly good English, that they had put their nods in their bags and couldn't get them back out because they were in the vehicle. So this whole time we thought they were just withholding nods on us when they just were like, yeah, we can't get to our nods. And it was like, God damn it. Okay, whatever. So we drive blackout, almost crash. Very miraculous that we didn't. Um, my buddy's driving and we're just peeling out of the village and we eventually make it out. We make it back to like a safe house where like they're operating out of. We stayed there overnight in like the basement, um, and they're just they're just awesome. Like they're just super happy that the mission went well. They're giving us tea and shit, cigarettes everywhere. We're like, yeah. And so 
in our unit, we had finally like gotten that trust. Like we got that trust again. You know, these guys know that we're, we're good or at the very least, you know, we can successfully run a mission. So we finally get back to the company and funny enough, our commander, his birthday was the day of that mission or the day after that mission. And he said to me, I was like, this is the best birthday I've ever had in my life. And I was like, yeah, he, uh, he gave me a knife. Um, and in their culture, you can't like accept a knife or a gift unless you give them like a coin or something like you have to pay for it. Um, so I just you know, gave him a coin. He gave me a knife. Still have it. It was great. And we're, we're just drinking and like, you know, just celebrating. Uh, it's me and my buddy, Ukrainians, um, Sergeant Major that I mentioned earlier. He was like, we're all sitting around the table. And he, he points to me, he's like, blah, 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 blah. he says something Ukrainian. Our translator's like, he says, I like you. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And then he points over to my buddy and he's like, I don't like you though. And I was <laughs> like, <laughs> and my buddy, he, he's like, oh, what the, we can fight right now, man. Like, let's put the, let's go, let's do this. And <laughs> Sergeant Major just kind of like smirking like, ah, I don't know about that, man. You're, you're funny. But we like, we finally got that trust from him and it just felt really good that we earned it. And, you know, we, we walk back to our, like our house in the company and he eventually comes back. He actually comes to us, the Sergeant Major. And he's like, he's talking to us and we have our buddy, uh, he's translating and he's like, you know, I, I'm sorry, you know, I've been such a dick, but you know, I have to be, you know, I'm a Sergeant Major and I have to fucking make sure my guys are good and stuff. And I don't want you guys to think that I'll ever like sell you out or leave you behind or anything like that. You know, I, you guys are a part of our company and. I'll never leave behind. Like you're part of our unit and it just felt great. It's just another guy who genuinely cares about his men and to be considered amongst them, like to get that, uh, to gain that trust and that acceptance is just very great feeling. Yeah. And like, I recently found out my, my sniper buddy, he's over there again. Um, and he linked back up with that unit and he told me that that Sergeant major, um, he, he died recently uh, during one of their pushes. Uh, he, he died by a mine. And he's just, it was like a just gut punch a few days ago. Um, he's a really good guy. He's a really good guy. And a few days after that mission, you know, we were still waiting for another mission. And uh, our old unit, our, our, our main unit, really, um, they had contacted my buddy, um, our commander did. And he's like, hey, we're, we're trying to help out Mariupol while it was still happening. We're going to make this offensive and, you know, we need, we need you guys like really bad. So, you know, we had to tell like our current unit, like, Hey, this is, you know, this, this is what we got to do. And they're like, God, man, we just got another mission. Like we can't do this without you guys. I'm like, we're sorry, man. Like we have to, like, this is, this is a big, that's a pretty important mission. You know, we have to, we got to do this. And so we ended up setting, well, I, I actually had to set up the, the transportation. I was talking to everyone. I was like, yo, can you get us like a ride? Like, hey, can you get us a ride? Hey, can you get us a ride? Eventually we were able to figure it out. Um, now where are you guys trying to go though? Because you can go to Mariupol. Were you trying to go to Zaporizhia? Yeah, it, so it was, it was by Zaporizhia. Zap, Zaporizhia. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. This entire time for the last five months I've been saying it incorrect. Nah, no worries. Zap- maybe, I'm, maybe I'm saying it incorrectly. Zaporizhia. Hmm. Zaporizhia. Makes a little yeah. bit more sense than Zaporizhia. <laughs> Zaporizhia. Okay, so this is you guys were now beginning April, moving from Mikolaev mm-hmm. around, which means you had to go north a little bit. I don't know how 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 far north the Russians had pushed at that point, because they did actually get near near next to a town called Krivirai. 
I don't know how to say it either. I don't know. Trivi Rye. I mean, the last, it's two separate words, R-I-H. Anyway, so I'm sure you went up around there to get to Zapsorzia. That's the yeah, only, so we, we had only, like, only route you could take. Yeah, we had to go like straight north and then east. We yes. couldn't just go northeast. Yeah. Okay, um, so that's so at that time they had pushed up that, came out of Kirsten, pushed right. They started moving northeast, and then mm-hmm. they pretty much have maintained the same ground. Well, the last couple of weeks they've lost a little bit. but So you went up there, back down to Zap. Zaporizhia, Zaporizhia. <laughs> how, however you say it. Yeah, Zaporizhia. Zaporizhia. Thank you. So now you're down in this area, and there hasn't been a lot of movement. So, man, I'm look. I can like, I, 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 I can envision and see the map, and I know exactly where the little, the bigger towns, I guess you would say, no, they're not cities, but or villages, whatever. Like, I could, like, if you t- like Avika, I don't know how to, how do you say that, or, like, were you? Which I, I should probably just pull up a map. What? Oh, I gotcha. Were, so were you just north of Mariupol at that point? So we were... Because there's the there's probably, I'm going to say, four different major villages mm-hmm. is the way I would say that are heavily yeah, fortified. So we, yeah, so we were northeast. So Huliopol, there's Huliopol. Mm-hmm. Were you down in that area? Yeah. Okay, so that's where you were. Oh, I know exactly where you were at. So that's where you were, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, see, we were around that area. Um, we linked back up with our, our original unit in, in Zaporizhia. And then from there we pushed out and this is a pretty terrible area. Cause the fighting didn't seem like there was a ton of like crazy fights that happened inside of this area. Cause I know the front line has not changed much. It, it's definitely all along there. Is it open fields? It's yeah, it's just more fields. So it's one of those kind of situations. Same yeah. as Kirsten, why it's really slow and grinding. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I know up in the eastern side, it's going to be more hills, in closer villages, I guess you'd say. And down on the southern half, it's going to be flat, mm-hmm. more flat, open terrain, which doesn't allow for you guys to maneuver as much. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. 
LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 